Well, welcome again, brothers and sisters and dear friends. And like I've said in the songs, thank you for welcoming me into your house. And you are so welcome. And I believe that God loves you and he keeps you and he's looking well after you. So here we are, COVID-19. Uh, it sounds like the gift that's keep on giving. We thought this Sunday we would have been in the church and we're hugging and well, well, I shouldn't say hugging, but welcoming each other and seeing each other after such a long time. Now, I just want to give you an update on that. So as you know, circumstances changed in Victoria and we are now not allowed to get more than 10 people into one place. And as I said before, uh, it is really for us important to keep safety. We've got uh, older people in our church and we want to look after them as well as everybody's health. But God is good in these times. Uh, we see his blessing and it's so wonderful to think about that. I also hear a good account of some of you who come together on Sundays and you turn this on and you watch it together uh, in your small numbers. And may the Lord bless you. That is a wonderful idea uh, to share and to have koinonia with each other. And if you can get together with some brothers and sisters, please do that and just send your love uh, to each one that you speak with. Now, I also want to thank you for your prayers. We just returned from a road trip up to Sydney. We went to Canberra for the first time ever and we spent a day there and then we went to Sydney where I saw my son, my daughter-in-law and my beautiful granddaughter. And it was such a wonderful time. We spent some time, two quality days together, a lot of laughs and fun and we had uh, very good dinners and so on. We, just by driving back, it was so wonderful just to get out and to see the country slowly getting up and running. But I must say the world that you've left out there before COVID is not the world anymore. And you will see some of these changes is going to happen more and more. Now, I just want to say, brother and sister and dear friend, do not be dismayed. Do not be fearful. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the word of God. I said it so many times over the last few weeks that this is the time when people are dispersed and away from each other where danger can come in and for some the word of God can be watered down. The current state in the world is interesting I must say and you would know it as well and things are happening at a quick pace and there is still bad things that's going to come if you follow the Bible and not your newspaper or CNN or Fox News any of those but if you follow your Bible and you stand in faith, you will see these things happen. And it will not bring fear upon your heart, but it will bring trust and faith in, in a sovereign God, an omnipresent God. Remember, He's a sovereign God. Now, I want to go into the Word in the book of Mark. But before we go there, I want to give you an encouraging through this scripture verse that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul writes, Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecuting for the Christians is coming. This is only the start. Now, I again do not want to uh, bring fear in your heart. Again, I come back to the point we need to stand in faith because we serve a God who looks after his children. 
But it is true that he says that if you live a godly life and you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. And I also just want to make a distinction here between being persecuted and the tribulation. It's not the same. Do not be confused with the two. Persecution happens right now all over the world. There's Christians who die in China. There's more than a million Christians locked up because of their faith. That's persecution by the hands of man. Tribulation, which talks about in Revelation, is when God's wrath comes upon the face of the earth. And we haven't seen that yet. Uh, a different message which I will preach uh, if God allows. In verse 13 he says, While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse. And we see that. How, how wonderful is the Bible? How practical is the Bible? This is the time that you should get so excited. This is the time which you should take this in your Bible and go to your friends and say, look, read. It's right there. Right there. He says things will go from bad to worse. This is why I say uh, it will go from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Again, I rest my case. I said to and I warn you, do not be deceived with things that you see in the world happening. Um, he says, bad to us, verse 14, but as for you, and I like this from Paul, as for you, Timothy, as for you on the other side of this camera, as for you, brother and sister, as for you who fear, maybe, this is for you now. What, Paul? You can ask the question. As for me, what now, Paul? As a Christian, as a child of God, what now, Paul? As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Let not your faith be shaken. I love it. Come on, Timothy. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. As for you, Paul says, the Holy Spirit through these words says, as for you, hold on. Keep on, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, in his case, from Paul. In this case, you know, when I preach, which is a wonderful privilege, but from Paul, we've learned it from Paul. What you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, comes back to the Word of God, the Bible. This is so important for us to, to grasp and to hold on to the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Brother and sister, I want you to hold on to the Word of God. And we're going to return now to the Word of God. And I'm going to preach to you and I'm going to continue on in the book of Mark. But hold the scripture verse. Take it and align it. And when you get fearful, open up there and pray to God and say, Lord, help me. Help me with this. Because I want to serve you, Lord. And I know that you're a sovereign God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So as we return to the book of Mark, you would remember and I look back. Well, on, on, on the sermons, which is on the net, on the internet. And I look back when we started with the book of Mark. And it's in September last year that we started with the book of Mark. Now, I'm by far not saying this to impress you, to show you how long we can sit with a book. The reason why I say this to you, my brother and sister, is because I want to show you how deep and how rich is the word of God. 
that we can spend all this time on the book of Mark, on the gospel, according to Mark. And uh, we'll only open chapter 7. We're going to start with chapter 8 next time. So remember, never forget why Mark wrote this, this gospel. He most probably sat at the feet of Peter and he learned from Peter. And he wrote down as Peter was telling him the account that he had with God. And as he was writing it down, he's telling us who Jesus is and why he came. And he's also, his audience that he's writing this to is the Romans. It's more towards the Gentiles. Because it's important for them to understand who Jesus is and why he came. So today I'm going to talk to you about the following topic. The gift of hearing and speaking. Two things that you and I take for granted so many times. The gift of hearing and speaking. And for that now we open up in our Bibles in Mark chapter 7 verse 31. The word says, and again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, you would remember in your last message in, in the book of Mark, Jesus wanted to get it away. He dropped that bombshell remark with the Pharisees. He said to them, it's not what you eat that defiles you, but what comes out of you that defiles you. And then he departed from there to get some rest and to spend time with his disciples and with uh, the Father in prayer. Whilst he went into Sidon and Tyre, he met this lady who was begging him to heal a daughter with an unclean spirit, with a demon spirit. And you would recall the, the message around the little dogs who grabbed the little bits that the children would throw down on the floor. And now he says that he's departing from that region in Tyre and Sidon. He came through the midst of the region of the Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is going back towards Jerusalem. The furthest part that Jesus traveled now is now finished and he's going to go back to Jerusalem where eventually he's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And he comes to the Sea of Galilee. And verse 32 says, Then they brought him to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. He was mute. And they begged him to put his hands on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up into heaven, he sighed and said, Epatha, that is to be, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and they spoke plainly and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Now, that was a prophecy back in the book of Isaiah that the Messiah will come and he will make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the mute to speak. And these people acknowledge that. They say he's done everything well. Now, brother and sister, dear friend, you might look at this passage, and when you read a passage like this, you need to always ask yourself the question, what is the main idea? 
looking through this passage, I ask myself, what is it what the writer, and in this particular case, the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says in Timothy that the whole scripture is breathed by God. Although men wrote it down, it is God's word. Now, the question should be the writer, the Holy Spirit. What is it that he wants to teach you and me? So when you take any passage in the Bible and you read through that in your, in your, in your uh, own time, ask yourself, read the passage and say, what is it? What is it here? What's the main idea? What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to tell me and teach me? And I want to show you there's so many things in this passage, but one thing that stood out for me. And remember, I'm talking to you about the gift of hearing and speaking. So we don't know much about this man. We don't know. It doesn't say much about it. It just said that when he came uh, through the the couplers and he came to the Sea of Galilee, they brought him this man. Now, he had very good friends, if you think that. They brought him. They took him to Jesus, which is a really good thing. We learned that this man couldn't hear and he had an impediment. He couldn't speak properly. And his friends do the right thing. They bring him to Jesus. Let me tell you, brother and sister, one of the most exciting things that you can do is to bring somebody to Jesus. Doesn't matter what is their problem. And believe me, the world is full of problems. The world is full of sicknesses. But what you can do, the best thing you can do, bring them to Jesus. That is so lovely. And I I love these friends. I don't know them. Maybe I will meet them in heaven one day. But I can already just love these friends for thinking the master is coming. Oh, I can hear his call. I can hear his footsteps. And I think about my friend. I think about this poor man. And I take him and I bring him to Jesus. But they go one step further. I don't know if you've noticed. They go one step further. As they brought him to Jesus, the Bible says they they begged him. They begged Jesus to lay his hands on this man. It wasn't good enough for them just to bring the man to Jesus and to say, there you go on your own. No, no, they begged. Now, how can you and I do that? We do it through prayer. You know, I can think of a lot of people right now who's in difficult times. And when I pray, I mention the names to the Lord in prayer. What am I doing? I bring them to Jesus. Just bring them to Jesus. You know what he says? His arms is wide and open for them to come. Oh, there's room at the cross for one. Though many has come, there's still room for one. How wonderful song is that? But how true is that song? Bring your friends to Jesus. If you can physically bring them, bring them. Bring them to the church. Because in the church, they're going to hear about Jesus. Some of you have been with us from the first day that we started preaching. And all I want to do is I want to preach Jesus. I want to preach Jesus. I want to preach Jesus. I want to preach Jesus of Nazareth, the sea walker. I want to preach Jesus Christ. I want to preach Christ Jesus any which way you want to have them. If you bring your friends, we're going to preach Jesus to them because we're going to be like these men. We're going to bring them to Jesus.
And how wonderful is it? <clears throat> the gift you can give your, your friends is to bring them to Jesus. But not only bring them, but they beg them. And in your prayer life, my brother and sister, beg Jesus for your friends. Now, it's also interesting when you look at these men. They brought this man. They begged Jesus to lay his hands on him, not on themselves. So here is the wonderful thing. They could have asked and Jesus anything for themselves. Oh, Jesus, I'm struggling in life. Can't you just give me a word? Oh, Jesus, won't you just lay your hands on me? No, it wasn't about them. They brought this man to Jesus for his sake. And it's so wonderful when I listen to people when they pray and they start praying and they say, Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I pray for this man. You know, you take the man Job. Job went through terrible times. He was sitting there and he had a source and he scratched them. They were itchy. He lost everything. He shaved his hair off. But it was only when he started praying for his friends that his circumstances started changing. So often we look at things to make things better for ourselves. And so often I hear people coming to Jesus and say, Oh Jesus, I will serve you for the best of my, my life. If only you can do this one thing for me. Change it a bit. <clears throat> look around you. Look at people who are struggling. That will make you humble. And I see this from these men. But then we also see the reaction of Jesus. What's going to happen when you bring somebody to Jesus? He's not going to stand there and say, now what is this all about? No. When they brought this man, Jesus took him immediately. And I love the following passage. He removed him from the crowd. He took him away from the crowd. You know what that tells me? Jesus wasn't in this for the crowds, for popularity. And we need to learn from that. I do have got something to say about that. You know, we as preachers sometimes, you know, there's, there's such a push from some preachers to be famous and everybody see you. No, that's not what it's all about. But Jesus removes this man. And then when he's got him alone, he puts his finger and he puts it into his ear. He spit and I, oh, look, in a COVID world, this would be unheard of. Oh, if somebody sees Jesus touching, I mean, we're not even allowed to touch hands, you know, to shake hands. But Jesus do this. He spit and he put uh, it on his tongue and the man. And then before that, he looks up into heaven and he sigh. And he says, Epatha, be opened. And immediately the, the, the Bible says that the miracle happened and this man was healed. What a miracle. What a beautiful story. So I ask myself, what is the main idea here? And it comes down to this for me in this passage. And there's so many others. Maybe for you, as I was already talking through this, there's something that stands out for you. Hold on to that. Look, this is how wonderful the Holy Spirit is. I can read a passage and I can say, wow, this part in the passage really excites me. You read the same passage and you go, no, not that for me, but this stands out for me. That's how the Holy Spirit work. That's how we work. He doesn't work in a box. He works however he wants to work. The Bible says he's like the wind. He's not the wind. He's not a 
but he's like the wind who blows wherever he wants to blow. And this is so wonderful. Now, we see, brother and sister, when you are deaf and mute, you can be affected in three ways as a person. First of all, it will affect your education. Think of this. Somebody who is deaf and mute, the chances for them to just walk into a classroom, sit down and listen to what has been said is removed. That impacts the education. It impacts how the communication comes over for education. And if that impacts your education, then it will also impact the opportunity that you will have for a job, to have a career path. I know that we are living in the 21st century and there's so many medical breakthroughs that I've done to help people. But still, Back in this man's day, through bad communication, he couldn't hear people. There's certain jobs this man would absolutely not be able to do. There's certain educations that he absolutely would not be able to do. And even today with all of the technology, with all of the medical breakthroughs, it is still a barrier for a lot of people. So this would have impacted this man. Think about that. How privileged are we that have this gift of hearing? How privileged are we? Secondly, I see that this man would be impacted on a social level. He would have been withdrawn because, you know, it will be difficult to communicate with other people. And I can tell you, I've seen this firsthand. I've been in, privileged in New Zealand to minister to the disabled uh, ministries, Christian disabled, uh, for, minister, uh, for, for disabled, I spent some time with, with this group. It's a Christian group. And I had to learn when I started ministering to disabled people how to communicate to them and with them. In this group, there was a deaf man. And if you've got deafness, you've got problems with your speaking. And I had to learn to write, to sew, to what is your yes and what is your no. There was a blind lady there and I had to learn how to communicate with her. There was somebody with cerebral palsy and other illnesses that these people had. And I had to learn what their language was and had to learn to communicate yes and no and what do you like and what you don't like. It's a total different world. But I can also tell that... Even today, not enough is done for disabled people. You do not see disabled people out and about. You know, and sometimes people feel ashamed about that. They don't want to go into crowds and they remove themselves socially. And this poor man could have done the same thing. And then thirdly, I can see that somebody with deafness could have emotional problems like low self-esteem low self-esteem and that confidence that drives certain people on could be impacted upon people with deafness. So think about this man. It was a major thing. It is a major thing today, but back in the day, they didn't have the technology and it was a terrible time to have this. But there was one more that I want to bring to the table. And that was that back in that time, that it was a shame for people to walk around with these disabilities. Because 
If you were a Jew, the Jews would have thought that you were sinning or you were born in sin or your parents sinned. And that was a mark against you. You know, I don't want to mix with a sinner. And this man most probably had to live through that as well. Let me give you an example. John chapter 9 verse 1. He says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. This is a blind man. John chapter 9. And his disciples, who were Jewish boys, they asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who sinned? You see, it is a stain upon him. He's blind. He was born from birth. He was blind. So somebody had to sin that he had to carry this heavy weight. That poor deaf man and mute man, you know, who sinned? That this man had to have and carry all of this. And they asked the question, was it his parents that he was born blind? And I love Jesus' answer. He says, neither this man nor his parents sins, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. You say, preacher, now, this is, how do we know this is a, a, a Gentile or a Jew? We don't. If he was a Jew, that is the stain on him. But I'll tell you what, go and see in the world what other nations do with people who's got a disability in their bodies. I can tell you now horrible stories that I've read up. When people are born and they've got a disability, what they do. It is just feels to the world as if it's a stain and a stain of sin. So this man had to live through all of these things. But I want to address two aspects about death, deafness and muteness with you. There's a physical aspect that I want to talk to you about and also a spiritual aspect. So let's talk about the physical. This man missed out on two gifts that God gave us. Two gifts. And it's truly a gift. It's a miracle my dear brother and sister, you see, the gift of hearing is so wonderful and is so absolute from God. And it's so complex that even the scientists look at this and they can't figure this out. They can tell us how it happens, but they can't figure this out. It comes from God. Now, if you think about what I'm going to tell you now, think that there is a creator, a designer who sits behind this. Hearing is a really interesting thing that happens. You see, all sound is waves. We can't see them. Even if I speak now, you hear words coming out of my mouth, but it is sound waves. And it goes through this microphone, right through all of the uh, you know electro electronic things. It comes out on the other side of the speaker that you've got. That's why the speaker is, is making vibrations. It pushes these waves out from the speaker. So what happens then? So from that point on, we've got these beautiful things next to our heads. Now, I remember one day when I was young and I was in school, my teacher said to me, John, that is not uh, uh, ornaments next to your head. It is ears to hear. And it's true. These aren't ornaments. And it's also not there. It's convenient if you, do, if you wear glasses that you rest your glasses on them. Your reading glasses. or your. But that's not why God created them. 
No, no. There's a specific reason why God gave you these beautiful earlobes. It's because when the sound goes through that speaker of yours, it vibrates and it makes these sound waves. Your earlobes catch them. And then it goes through a small channel, a small channel in your ear. And on the inside of your ear, there is an eardrum. And these waves come. And as they come through these, to these, this channel, they hit against the eardrum. And the eardrum do the same thing that your speaker is doing. It vibrates. Once these waves come and they hit the eardrum, it vibrates. And this is where the miracle happens, brother and sister. God created that eardrum. Think of that. And from there, on the inside of the eardrum, in the inner ear, it makes smaller vibrations. And there's three bones that sits in the inside of your ear, your inner ear. It is the mulgius, the incus, and the staples. And those three receives those vibrations from the eardrums in your inner ear, the mulchies, the incas, and the staples. And once they receive those vibrations, another miracle happens because it's connected to your brain and it, and it changes those vibrations into thoughts. How wonderful is that miracle? Who would have thought about that? And, and it, it forms it into your ear and, and the thoughts comes in and somehow <coughs> it forms words and, and, and you can understand and, and you can make a sense of what these waves comes in. And you know what is so wonderful about it, brothers and sisters, all of these things happens automatically. It's not as if you have to shake your eardrum or do something with the the Incas, the Malchus, and the Staples, anything to them. God created it so that it just works. Now, if you think about this, if something happens with the eardrum, it had to be perfect. If it's hardened a bit, then it can't make so many vibrations. So it's such a wonderful gift of God that this poor man did not have. But with a gift of God comes a responsibility. So let me tell you the responsibility. Our responsibility, brother and sister, is to control what we allow to come into this ear. We need to allow, uh, uh, control that. We need to protect that. Now, I know what young people is going to say uh, when they listen to loud music or loud banging now noises and that. What do we do as parents? We say, no, it's too loud. You're going to hurt your ears. And you know what happens? It wears it out after a time. And when you're older, uh, it's not so flexible anymore and you become more hard hearing. Now, these things happen, but there is a responsibility. The Bible says that we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Listen to James 1.19. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. That's a responsibility. We need to listen. Be quick to hear. But then he says, slow to speak, slow to anger. Somebody said it so famously, you've got two ears to hear and one mouth to speak. So listen twice before you speak once. Well, that comes from the Bible. Proverbs 2 verse 2, he says, making your ear attentive to wisdom. So that's a responsibility. 
these sound waves that comes into the ear, we need to make our ear attentive to wisdom and not allow other things to come and influence us. Gossiping, listening to the wrong things, young people, music, all of these things that can influence you. No, no, we need to be attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. And Mark chapter 4 verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Why would Jesus say that? Pay attention to what you hear. There's a responsibility for you and for me to look through the things that we hear and pay attention and to hide away and to get away from things that we should not hear. He says it right there. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Look, I'm going to tell you now. I know, you know, there's people who listen to the Word of God on tape, the Bible reading. So wonderful. Think of the good things that comes into your ear and go through your the, the, the channel and hit your eardrum and go into your inner ear and hit those three bones. Think about that. Um, Luke chapter 11 verse 28. But he said, blessed, uh, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. There you go. I just told you. You know, just listening to sermons, just listening to preaching. Now, I'm not by far saying, you know, do it 24-7. Some people would like to do that. No, no, we're still living in this world and you're going to hear other things. But be attentive to wisdom. Um, blessed are those, the, uh, the word says, Luke 11:28. Uh, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and they keep it. So that's the gift of hearing. The gift of hearing. I'm going to ask you and I'm going to ask you again. What are you doing with that gift? The gift that God gave you to hear. What a privilege. What a privilege. I, I looked up. I think there's something like 300 million people in the world who's deaf. Who can't hear properly. And more. More. This is only the ones who are registered. And the ones who are registered as being not being able to hear. That's a staggering amount of people who do not have that privilege that you and I have. And here we are trying to get other things and say, oh Lord, I want this, I want that, I want that. But we're sitting with one of the gifts from God, the gift of hearing. And let it be sweet melody, aroma to God, things that come through your ear. Now let me talk to you about the gift and the responsibility of speech. Speech. And it's truly like hearing a gift from God. A wonderful gift. And it's one of the most complex actions that you perform. And, and the wonderful thing about this is you perform it without even thinking that you are doing it. It is like riding a bicycle. You know, it is like when you see, I look at little Michael, my grandson, running around and Isla and, and they're now starting to form some words. And, and it's so wonderful. You listen to them, you go, oh, oh, they said grandpa, you know, mommy and daddy, but I would love them to say grandpa first. But you listen to the words and, and their most amazing thing is they make these waves that goes out of their mouths, little mouths. And we try to make sense of that. But it's so wonderful to me. It is so wonderful to look at these little young 
babies and little toddlers, how they start to learn this thing about languages. But there's some fascinating things that you will see with little toddlers and, you know, grown-up men and women like you and myself. In order to speak, listen, your brain needs to quickly and precisely, precisely, it's got to be on a T, coordinate your lips, your jaw, your tongue, and your larynx, which is your sound box. Think of all of those things that need to happen. And let me ask you the question. When you say a word, are you sitting there and going, brain, move my jaw. Brain, form my lips. Brain, work with my tongue. Hey, brain, inform the sound box. Now I'm going to put a thought into words. No, we don't do that. It just happens. And once all of these things are formed, then... You inhale and you blow wind over those things, over your sound box. You blow winds over it and somehow, how wonderful, a thought <clears throat> comes in and it goes over your lips. A thought with, with all of these noises and things and your tongue works together with your teeth, where you press your tongue against your teeth and, you know, your jaw is in the right space and... All of those things comes over and you form a wave. That's all you're forming. You're forming a wave, which is going through this little microphone, through all the technology out of the speaker and goes into your ear. But somehow you take this thought and it comes out as a word. And you get another word and another word. And those words forms a sentence. And a few sentences forms a paragraph. And we've got a communication. Two gifts. I broadcast and you receive. What a wonderful gift from God. We've got so much to be, to be blessed with. So much. And it comes from God freely. He gives it to us freely. But also, like with hearing, with speaking comes a responsibility. The Bible says that every word that you say... Is written up. So you better be careful what you say. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. It says let no corrupt talk come over your mouth. Let no corrupt talk come over your mouth. So God gave you this beautiful register. Of words and of. Uh, I didn't even touch on vocabulary. How you practice that. But he gives you this gift. That you've got. And you utilize that gift. And now the word of God says, let no corrupt, corruptness comes over your mouth, but only such which is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And by the way, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version uh, uh, translation, which is similar to the New, new uh, King James Version. But I like it the way he puts it here. It's scripturally sound. No corruption coming out of your mouth, but such which is good for the building up of people, for the instruction of people. Let those things come over your mouth. But here is the thing. Our bodies is like a rubbish bin. Now, I'm sorry to shock you when I say that. If garbage comes in, guess what comes out? I mean, I look at my rubbish bin in the kitchen. You know, what are we throwing there? We throw the garbage in there, the stuff that we don't like. 
We take that and we throw it in there. And after a few days, what do we do? We go in and I take the plastic bag out, garbage went in, and it's not all of a sudden, boom, out comes gold or, or a beautiful uh, banana. No, no, what comes out is what we've put in. The garbage comes out and I throw it in a bigger garbage bin and the garbage truck comes past and they take it away. And you know what? Once I see that truck leaves around the corner, I'm so glad that that garbage is gone. Because if that truck doesn't come, the garbage is going to pile up and it's going to start to smell and it's going to start to get rats and all of diseases and stuff. We want to get rid of the garbage. So whatever you hear in your ear, if it's garbage, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Garbage. And it's not as if you say, oh, I'm so relieved that that's now out of my mouth. No, you need to go inside and remove the garbage from your heart. By starting to allowing good stuff to go in, good stuff will come out. There's a responsibility for speech. He says, for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious. There's a responsibility. God just didn't give you this gift to mess with it. To swear and to do stuff with it. He says, let it be gracious, seasoned with salt. Salt brings taste. Let your words be tasty so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Proverbs 15.4 A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. It says it right there, a gentle tongue. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, uh, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Brother and sister, I want to ask you, how are you using the gift of speech? How are you using the gift of hearing? Are you using it to the glory of God? How are you using the gift of hearing and speaking in your family? How are you using the gift of hearing and speaking in your workplace? I know this man and we are still with Jesus who gave this man back that gift. Think about this. He gave that man back that gift. And we're going to see his reaction. And, and this is a wonderful thing. You don't know the value of something until you've lost it. Until you've lost it. And honestly, you don't want to lose the gift of hearing and speaking. But while you've got the gift of hearing and speaking, use it, use it in a responsible way to worship and praise God. It amazes me how people can stand in a stadium and shout, you know, at the top of their voices and spur their teams on, which is only human beings playing in front of them. But in a church, they can and they can't shout for God. They can't use that speech and that voice for the glory of God. They scream their voices that their they sound box here that they can't properly speak the next day for vanity. But yet when it comes to God, there is no using of this beautiful, wonderful gift to praise God and to give Him glory. What are you doing with your gift? Are you thanking? I, I just want to go ahead and, and say, brother and sister, when you get the opportunity right after this, 
You know, if you're gathering in that small group, they just say, before we go to the coffee and the tea, let's close your eyes. Let's pray and thank God. Thank Him for the, the gift of hearing and for the gift of speaking. And while you do that, say, Lord, help me to be responsible for, for the hearing and the speaking that I have. You see, so deep and wide is the Word of God. And for me this week, that stood out, those two things. But I said, I was going to talk about a physical and a spiritual aspect of this. So the physical aspect I've addressed. The gift of hearing and speaking. But if you think of a spiritual aspect of this. This was a physical healing. But there are people in the world. Who are spiritually deaf and mute. Spiritually deaf and mute. And the proof is in the word of God. Those are the people who say they hear, but they cannot hear. They say, I hear what you say, preacher, but I can't see it like you see it. I can't understand it. It is only voice and noise to me. They are spiritually deaf. And my prayer this morning is, Lord, put your finger in those people's ears. Spit on their tongue so that they can hear and speak. This, this is one of the droughts in the world right now. And, and let me just say, even in churches, there are people sitting from Sunday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday Bible study, youth meetings. There's people sitting in churches who are deaf. There's people sitting in churches who are mute. They can talk a, a landful and a bagful of anything else in the world, but they will slightly say two words about Jesus. They will not testify one sentence about the grace of God. They would be ashamed to mention Jesus' name to their friends and their families. That is what I call muteness. But you see, some have got the excuse, but I didn't know, I can't understand it. Jeremiah 6 verse 10, the prophet says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? To whom? Will I give warning that they may hear, use that gift that God gave them? Behold, the ears are uncircumcised. Stop. Stop. It's so beautiful. This is like poetry to me. What is he saying if he uses the word uncircumcised in that? He says, behold, the ears are uncircumcised. I'm going to explain it to you now. These are those people when you preach a sermon, they go, even now with this, um, I don't get it. They hear, but they don't hear. Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. The apostles talks about it. Jeremiah talks about it. He says, whom shall I give a warning that they may hear? Behold, the ears are uncircumcised. And now when he uses this word circumcised, it goes right back to a spiritual application. Listen carefully, my hearer. It goes to an application. It is, it, when you were circumcised, it was an act of obedience. God said to, to Abraham, he said, you have to cut the foreskin. It was an act of obedience. Um and, and, in, and it's, it's an act of obedience to the word of God, the instruction of God. But here is the thing. If you are not, your ears is not circumcised. It's not meaning you have to cut your ear off now. No, no cutting happening here. But you, your ears need to be 
We need to be tuned to hear the word of God. But it starts with a changed heart to understand for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The ears were not, un, were not circumcised. They were still listening to the world and not to the word of God. Let me continue the verse, Jeremiah 16, and I'll read it from the start so that we get the context. It says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, the ears are uncircumcised, that they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. I recall counseling some people. And when you counsel them and you start using scriptures, oh no, no, don't give me that Bible nonsense. I feel sorry for them. Because Jeremiah is right. Don't tell me, I don't want to hear the Bible. Don't, 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 don't. I don't want to hear the word, the scriptures. That's all you do. You give us scriptures. We come here for help. We come here for you to help us. You're supposed to help us. But then you just throw a lot of scriptures at us. Well, that's what the Bible says. He says to them, it's an object of scorn. And the word for a lot today is an object of scorn. To whom shall I give a warning? The word coming out. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 9, he says, For they are a rebellious people. Jeremiah says that the word of God to them is an object of scorn. And he says that they take no pleasure in that. And now Isaiah, another prophet comes and he says, They are a rebellious people, lying children, uh, unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. They, they're unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. They don't want to listen to the word of God. That's, that's what Isaiah says in Acts chapter 28 verse 27. For this people's heart has grown dull and with the ears they can barely hear. You see, there is a spiritual application for people who are deaf. They... They've got ears, but they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and would be healed. There is a spiritual application. John chapter 9, verse 49, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority. This is Jesus telling them. He says, When I came and I spoke to you, I gave you my speech. It wasn't on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has given me the commandment that what to say and what to speak. Yet Jeremiah says these people see it as scorn. They find no pleasure in it. And uh, sorry, that's Jeremiah. And, and Isaiah says they are unwilling to take the instruction of God. And here Jesus comes, he says, I just said what God wants me to, the Father wants me to say. I'm preaching the word of God and all I'm saying as a preacher to you on the other side of this camera is just what God wants me to say. Listen to the word of God. How many times does Jesus say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. You see, the thing is, brother and sister, you can't speak if you can't hear. Jesus again, he said, I was given the commandment from God. What to say and what to speak. He had to listen to God. 
So if you can't hear, you can't speak. But there is a responsibility to speak. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 and listen very carefully as we draw to an end. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And oh, that's a beautiful verse. That's a, that's a sermon in itself. Verse 5, they are from the world. And how do we identify when they are from the world? Listen to what John says here. He says, therefore, what for John? They are of the world. That's what you ask. If you see the word therefore, it's an application word. You say, what for? They are of the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. Garbage in, garbage out. World in, world out. This is the distinction he's making. And now he says, Therefore they speak from the world and the world listen to them. The ear hear what the ear is trained to hear. That is so true. The world listens to them. We are from God. So you've got the world and you get God. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And that is where I find so much comfort. I've been preaching this word now for, for nearly 25 years. And there are people who listen and there are people who don't listen. And I must say when I was a young preacher, and I'm still a young preacher, don't get me wrong here. But when I was a younger preacher and a younger person, uh, I sometimes took it a little bit on myself. You know, I, I, I took it as... You know, they're rejecting me. You know, I, I, I really thought, hmm, what am I doing wrong? What is it? Why does these people don't listen to me, Lord, when I preach your word? Well, the answer is right there. Whoever knows God, and I've had so many of those people over the years that I've been preaching the word of God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So let me bring this all together in the end. How do we come to listen and to speak like this man? And we go back to our narrative. How do we come to this? Verse 32 is our answer. He says, Then they brought him uh, one who was dead and had an impediment in his speech. And in verse 33, And he took him aside from the multitude. How do you come to listen and hear? You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. He's the only one who's going to open up your ears and loosen your tongue. Come to Jesus. Bring your friends to Jesus. Spend time with him. He took him away from the crowd. Your private time with God is so important. That's where he speaks to you. That's where you listen to him. In your private time with him. In your quiet time with him. And he pulls his finger out and he pushes it in that man's ear. And he will do the same for you and for me, brother and sister. He will put his finger in your ear and you will start to hear. He will touch your tongue and your lips and you will be able to speak. And here is the amazing thing. That is that you would not be able to contain your speech after he does that. You will not be able. I can just recall how wonderful when he saves you. You want to tell everybody. 
They can't keep you there. They can't shut you up. They tried to do that with the disciples, Peter and, and, and John. And um, what happened? They said, you you got to stop preaching about Jesus. Stop talking about him. You're, you're causing uh, waves here. We don't like it. And if you're going to do that, and they say, you can do whatever you want to do, but we can't. We can't stop doing it. We can't stop talking about Jesus. And we see the same happen to this man. This is the amazing thing about it. You will not be able to contain it. Look at verse 37. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. This is Jesus. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone I've given you ears to hear. Don't tell anyone that I've given you a tongue to speak. Now, the reason in context why I wanted to do that is because his time did not come. His time for them to, 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 to take him and to die for the sin did not come. There's still things that needed to happen. But in context here for us, he said that they should tell no one but sharp contrast. The more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, brother and sister, let me tell you, if he and when he opens up your ear so that you hear the word, you want to share it to somebody. What has been driving me all these years to keep on preaching the word? What's been driving me? The love of God, the burden for souls, and then I can't contain it. The love of God, the love of God, the burden for souls. The burden to bring people to Jesus like these people did. And you can't contain it. I read the Bible. I mean, I've got this week when I was reading through, I've got three or four or five sermons just that I want to preach to you. I want to, you know, they so I wanted to talk to you in, in the same passage about the, the verse which says, and he did everything that he did, he did well. I wanted to preach you a sermon on that, and, and I might do that next week. But it becomes like streams of living water, and you want to share it with people. This is one of the driving factors, not the only one. Be careful, because then it becomes a personal agenda. It's the love of God that keeps us humble and keeps us on our knees. And keeps us to, to be instruments in his hands and to be a, a, a man before God and give accountability to God. It is the burden for souls to look out for others and not only for yourself. To see people for who they are through the eyes of God. It is that that keeps you grounded. And then it is that fire that burns inside of you and it cannot be contained. And the more he commanded them to do it the more widely they proclaim it. And here I end today. And the people will be amazed. They will be amazed. Once he was deaf, once he was mute, once he was blind, but now I can see, now I can hear, and now I can speak. Now I can sing. Now it, it just goes on. The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. And how wonderful is it. Verse 37 says, And they were astonished beyond measure. People will look at you and say, It's amazing. They looked at Jesus. And, and one thing that stood out about Jesus, that they said, He speaks with so much authority. 
Where did he get the authority? He got it from the Father. How did he get it from the Father? Through the Holy Spirit. But also he said what the Father tells me that I speak. Here is this man. And how wonderful it was. The way he came, he didn't leave the same. He came where not hearing and not speaking and he leave. Worshipping God and speaking. May the Lord bless you this week. Think about this message. Pray. Say, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear you. Open up my ears. Loosen my tongue. In the name of Jesus, God bless. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, for this passage in the Bible, which speaks to these two wonderful gifts that you've given us. The gift of hearing, the gift of speaking. And Father, I pray that you help us to use this responsible in our daily walk. In Jesus' name, amen.